Mid-market sized businesses are where the true economic action in business really is. They are nimble and agile. They're factories of growth, they lead in innovation, and they're early adopters of tech. These enterprises need the right tools, support and environment to flourish. But sadly, they're often overlooked and undervalued. Not here though. This is the Mid-Market Matters podcast, and I'm your host, Craig West. We'll explore pain points, growth strategies, and how to find the competitive edge. Welcome to SME Radio. In this episode of Mid-Market Matters, I'm joined by Mark Knapper. Mark's a business advisor with more than 25 years' experience in senior management roles, and he's now working with business owners to run through a whole stack of key things. He's got some experience in insolvency, in development of organisations, in multiple industries, and I think you'll find he's got some really interesting things to say about what you can do to improve your business. Firstly, Mark, hi, and thanks for joining us. Hi, Craig. Thanks for having me. It's good. So, mate, um, you've got a very interesting background, um, but I'm interested in what you're doing now, firstly. We'll come back to your background in a moment. Um, tell us what you do that's important for mid-market businesses to get right. Yeah, well, I help um, people run their businesses better, basically. You know, um, I find that um, people often get um, stuck in situations where they're trying to grow the business and uh, trying what they've um, done in the past and it's not working. Um, or maybe they've got a particular set of circumstances which they may not have seen before. So me coming in with a fresh pair of eyes um, – gives them that bit of um, stimulus and guidance uh, to help them through that. You know, I, I've sort of got grey hairs and lines. <laughs> I've sort of earned them, you know. Okay. And you've described <laughs> yourself here as a bit of a business alchemist, um, and that's all around transformation. Yep. So tell us a bit more about what that means. Yeah, well, actually, I really uh, just get a buzz in seeing people with the aha moment, you know, when something um, I say to them and we do, and, it, oh, yeah, it works. And so seeing that, transformation happen within the people um, and then within their business or normally it's the other way around, you know. It happens in their business and then they become transformed because business and your personal life is so intertwined, you know. And, Especially um, at the moment with a lot of so people seeing, working from home and so on. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And what impacts in your business impacts on you, you know, and in your personal life. And so uh, just having that... Um, impact on people that I just find really uh, really uh, rewarding and um, something I get a buzz out Now, tell me, you, you're advising business owners, but you're also running a fruit orchard in Byron Bay. How do you do both? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, I've um, been involved in food and agriculture for quite a number of years now, you know, probably about 30 years, horticulture for most of that time. Um, and um, I uh, finished running a food manufacturing company um, and uh, well, actually finished running a particular company and um, I bought the orchard. I was going to sort of semi-retire up in Byron Bay about right. 10 years ago and um, about 17 years ago um, and bought the bought the orchard. Um, you know, it's in a bit of a spot in Bangalore. I'm a bit of an old surfy, so I thought, cool, I can surf the old breaks and um, live the dream and do a Get bit of consulting. Bit of and then I... Yeah, and I got waylaid into another turnaround, like the last hurrah, because once you get insolvency and turnaround in your blood, you sort of, um, you know, you sort of have one last hurrah. Anyway, that was it, and so I stayed in Sydney for a bit longer and then moved up to Bangalore um, permanently in about 2011. And you're still there, clearly. 
Yeah, they're spend time in Sydney and uh, we've got uh, family issue at the moment, so we're spending more time in Sydney than than there, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, still spend time up there. I've got um, business interests um, outside the farm up there, sit on boards and got clients um, up in that area as well. Okay, so you talk about a couple of key factors that affect business performance. I'd like to go through those and just sort of hear from your own words what's important about understanding some of these key things you talk about. So the first one is around the phases of business life cycle. Can you take us through those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, these ones I've, um, you know, phrased myself just from my own experience and observing people and that. That is, there's a four phases, you know, people are familiar with, but I call them the inspiration phase. So, you know, people get inspired to start a business. Um, they may be good at whatever they do, so they have a, what Michael Gerber, you know, the Edenist guy would say, they have a, a, a flash of entrepreneurial um, brilliance yeah. and um, getting inspired to start a business. So, so it's a startup phase. So that's all exciting, you know, yeah. and um, bit bit white knuckle stuff. Um, and then they go into the perspiration phase where they just it's it's hard work. Let's just do it. You know, let's just get this done. And that's the growth phase. Um, and there's all particular issues that are coming with that as well. But it's all still exciting as they try and come to grips with it, citing an inverse inverted commas, because now they've, at this phase, they've got people. It's, um, they normally start off as just maybe just mm-hmm. them. Now they've got people working for them because they're good at what they do, that the business has grown, they've got people, they've got to manage people, which they may not have done before. That brings in also um, you know, extra stress. They've also got cash flow issues because of, course of that growth. Um, then competitors' issues um, as well as other people coming into the market or other people taking notice of them. So that's sort of like the, the perspiration And that's phase. hard work. That's why you call it perspiration, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just a grind. And, and, you know, and then, and then the, I call it the next one is the frustration phase. You know, it's sort of at, they may be in it for about 10 or 12 years and going, okay, look, you know, um, they look back and go, okay, well, that inspiration, perspiration phase was actually hard work. Mm, mm. Um is it, is it going to get any better? And so it's a frustration then of, jeez, why isn't it better? Why aren't I enjoying myself? Why aren't I able to solve these things in the business that should be able to be, be solved? And there's all these why questions and, and, and the frustration phase. And, and then it normally then leads to if they don't, if they don't really address that, there's two, there's a phase that normally happens, which is the extermination phase. Right. Uh, and that's where you, where you get into the uh, decline because the frustration is too much. You're not addressing key issues, so you're in the, into what I call the extermination phase. But you can, um, and surprise enough, if you engage me, you can actually start up the uh, rejuvenation phase and we can address those issues and then kick it on again. So they're the four cycles, like the last one, extermination, but there is the hope of a, of a, a rejuvenation. A around, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. and then the next thing is really talking, getting very clear with the business owner about where they're going. Yeah, I think it's really important for them to understand, and for, for me to understand, and I can help them do that, just where they are in that in that business life cycle. You know, what phase? Because what needs to be done is you know different for each of those phases, and is different for each of the person, each of the people within that phase. You know, depending on their experiences and and what's happening. So it's but the critical things are that they've got to understand the first thing is what they want to get out of the business. 
and and because um, what happens that I see is that you know in the mid market businesses is that the people become enslaved to the business. Yep. Yep. So the business isn't serving what they originally intended it to be, whether it be a lifestyle or whatever, or maybe people don't really think about what do they want to get out of the business. So everything's thrown into the business and then they're enslaved to the business, serving the business rather than the business serving them. Mm, mm. And, and if, so I get people to establish what their personal vision is. What do they want to get out of? Well, where do they want to be in three years? And that's on a, you know eight points of their life. You know, like it's their um, in personal investments, where do they want to live, what car do they want to drive, what sports they want to do, you know, what community involvement they want to have, their family time, all these sorts of things, things that are normally ignored and put aside. We start with them first. Right. And um, and then we can then get make sure as we then move into the business vision that the business vision is going to be serving the personal vision and then our roadmap is also then to achieve the business vision, which is then achieving the personal vision. And if you don't start with the personal vision, then you've got a good chance you're just going to be stuck in those SME chains. And trapped, yeah. Yeah, trapped, yeah, yeah. And that frustration level just keeps on keeps on going. Yeah, And it's, it's small things that I've noticed too within people. You know, I've got a funny story I tell us with a client I went, with once because it's husband and wives in the business and I say to them, go and do your personal visions and come back. They do it separately. And one guy, you know, he'd owned the business for, you know, 18 years or something, him and his wife, and mm-hmm. um, and so he put down he wanted to have more time for golf. And, of course, right. she just thought that was hilarious. You never played golf in your life and, you know, a few other colourful um, descriptions about that. Why do you want to do this and da-da-da-da-da? And I said, oh, strike, I've got a marriage counselling session going on here. You know, anyway... He took it calmly and then said, well, that's the problem. Um, I've always wanted to but never have because I never had the time mm, mm. and I want to do that. I want to have a day off a week for golf. And so that's what we did. You know, she accepted that. And once they got that all out, out in the open yeah, and was uh, and put down the plan, we can actually uh, achieve it. So I'm there to help people, you know, just have options and get clarity on what they want Okay, and then uh, deliver on it. Yeah. And one one of the tools that you use is a business recipe. You talk about a sustainable business recipe, and there's four yeah, sort of yeah, key yeah. peas and key ingredients that you use to do that. Why don't you talk us through those and make sure everyone understands how that works? Yeah, yeah. Well, firstly, I sort of get a bit um, cheesed off with people who have uh, followed these three easy steps or four easy steps to business success. Um, you know, um, I think those people haven't run a business, you know, because my experience is it's hard yards, you know, like it's hard going and and, and uh, you get thrown things all the time in business. You know, I know when I first, you know, took on the CEO role, um, the honeymoon period didn't last long. Well, all of a sudden all these people are coming to me with all these problems and, and I had these other bigger problems that I hadn't never had to deal with before and I thought, well, actually, I thought I was running a business, not a kindergarten sort of thing in relation to people. And and then you got the banks and you got things. And it was just this ongoing. So I sort of say, look, it's not it's not hard. It doesn't mean that it can't be oh, – sorry, it's not easy. But it doesn't mean that it can't be fun. But, um, you know, there's certain things that I see are key ingredients. And I use ingredients because of my food um, and agriculture background, you know, and – so what are it's the four ingredients that you're talking about? The four ingredients I've got are, are 
the, the performance. People want to have a high-performing business and they want to have a profitable business. Mm-hmm. So like the two sort of bookends of the ingredients, if you like. And then within that are the people and the processes. And that's what I call the systems. So you've got to get those those right. And then the, what keeps them all together is the purpose. Why are you doing what you're actually doing? And that's a critical in, in the you know, food manufacturing um, context. That's your that's your um, setting agent or your binder, which keeps all those ingredients uh, together. And and the the trick is that it's not just a, a four-trick pony that you always know when to roll these things out. You, you've got to have them. And like in food manufacturing or cooking or, or farming, for that matter, it's knowing that art versus science. You, know, you, you can know you've got to have these things, but at what level do you have them? At what point do you bring them in? And what particular tools under each of those do you actually use? And that's that's the key and, and um, where I come into actually with the experience, only with experience can you really know it's not blindly following something, but if you don't have those four ingredients and the binder there to set them, which is the purpose, then I find that you can't scale your business, right? Because you just yeah. haven't got it. You just haven't got the basics there, right? So there's no use talking about how am I going to grow my business and have all these great sales plans if you don't have these basic ingredients right. Then you know you're going to find it difficult mm. all the way through as, as you scale. So you've got to have these ingredients, and then once you've got the ingredients. It's easier to scale. Okay. Now, you talked a couple of times there about effective systems and specifically for yeah. people and processes. Tell us a little bit yeah, more yeah. about what you mean there. Yeah, well, I see that, you know, in, in when I go into business and uh, I saw this all the time in the insolvency, go in and there's really only in the systems I call a people and processes. And, and um, so if your processes aren't right, then no matter how good your people are, it's not going to work. And right. then if you've got processes, you know, and you've got people that are, can't follow a process, so you've got to get the right people and the right processes. And so the first thing for the people bit is you've got to engage your people. They've got to understand what needs to be done. They've got to understand purpose and vision. You've got to be able to articulate that and to be able to understand them. But to do that, you have to understand yourself. And so I, I use this model called the whole brain thinking, I'm a practitioner in that. And so that's a tool that you can use to understand your thinking style and what impact that has on others. Um, because if you're a big picture person and, you know, you talk out there um, what your five-year, ten-year plan, and you've got someone who just wants to get their job done each day, balance the books or whatever it is, complete the sales order, and you keep coming up with these brilliant ideas, you're going to scare the pants off. Mm. Um, so it's how do you engage with them understanding how they think and how your what your thinking style is and how you need to adapt to that to be able to get that engagement. And that leads to then also, um, I'm a big one on diversity, but I'm into cognitive diversity. So tell us a bit more what I that feel- means. Yeah, I built my teams around people who I don't necessarily liked, you know. Um, it's not that I didn't like them, but, you know, we didn't really, uh, you know, uh, there probably wouldn't be people that I would normally um, 
have around my place, if you like, you know. But what I admired about them, wanted them in the team, was their thinking. They thought totally different to me, and they challenged me. Right. And 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 it's that you know I just read a book called The Power of No. To have a dissenter in your room mm. is really important because someone's going to challenge you all the time. And and um, in the products I did and the services we've lived in the companies I ran, you know, it's best to have that person in your tent going, oh, that's not going to work, Mark, because it is. Because chances are there's someone like them in the marketplace. Yes. Now, the trouble is we as leaders and managers don't like that because these people, are, they're difficult because they don't think like They're that, arguing with know? us, basically. Yeah, and you think, well, and, and what I found was that, you know, I'd say to people, I'd say to you, Craig, Craig, can you form a team to go and sort out this problem and come back, you know? You go, yeah, mate, sure, no worries. And normally what you do, you go and think, oh, well, I'll pick Sue, um, Elizabeth and Fred because we get on. Yes. And normally you get on because you think alike, but then it means you're probably going to overlook a whole lot of stuff. So this cognitive diversity and this, you know, creative abrasion within a team is really important and is essential for a leader to be able to nail that and to be able to manage that that team, which isn't necessarily homogeneous, you know, but you've got to respect people's views and everyone know what they're actually doing, which gets back to that engagement bit, you know, and, yeah. um, and otherwise you can overlook a whole lot of stuff um, and there's heaps of examples of that. No, it's interesting uh, stuff to think about in terms of systems, you know, fi- finding people and working with people who don't necessarily agree with you. The power of no, I think you said, um, is quite yeah, an important yeah. resource. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's hard to manage, but it's really important. And then the last thing in the people bit is, like, I'm a fairly simple sort of guy. I like to pair things back and, and I'll probably upset a few um, HR people in saying this, but you, know, you can get – a, a business owner can get overwhelmed by all the compliance issues within HR. And I'm not saying that you just ignore them, but it can be overwhelming. It's a bit like, you know, if you're providing tax advice to a business owner and that becomes their whole focus, mm. it doesn't actually help them run the business. You know, it's an important part, but it, it doesn't really help run the, run the business on a day-to-day basis. And so my three things that are really important in, in managing people and, in, and is that they you have written down and clearly communicated to them what the rules are, what the roles are and what the rewards are. And, you know, like what's the rules around the business? And, they, and that's just basic stuff. But you'd be surprised how many businesses I see. And even when I was, I was on the board of the $100 million company, you know, they – didn't have this nailed. Mm. They didn't have it clear as to what the rules were okay, come in at nine, you know, five and go to this, da, da, da. But the roles, they didn't have proper job descriptions. Yeah, yeah. So people didn't know what they were supposed to do. So if they don't know exactly what they'll do, they'll do what they think they do, which may not be what you want them to do, you know. And and these are areas that really cause the friction. And, and then, then the rewards, well, you get paid this for doing this, this role, um, and you might want to mention, is there overtime? Is it not overtime? All these clear, basic stuffs, stuff is that is made um, up front at the time of the engagement of the people. A lot of, the, lot of the tension and stress is taken away. So then if you do have a person who isn't performing, you can actually pull out 
this document which has all these rules, roles, rewards, and if it's the role and you say, well, Craig, what part, you know, you're not performing, and you'll say, well, what part of my job aren't I performing, Mark? And you then go to your roles and you're actually talking to a document. It's not a personal thing and not me trying to say to you or indicate to you that it's an you know, a subjective thing that I'm saying about your performance. Yep, yep. It's actually something which is written down. And if you get those three things right, the rules, roles, rewards, you know, 80% of your people management issues are gone. There's all those other compliance things and the way you do that is also important for the HR, but just pairing it back for a business owner, just get those things mm. right, you know, mm. and, and that will help. Okay. And then... Before, and then you get into the processes bit, but anyway. Okay, I was just going to say, before we wrap up, uh, just a summary of a couple of key points, um, if you wouldn't mind, and then I'm going to ask you in a minute, I'll give you a bit of notice, uh, the, your one big yep. tip for, for business owners to be successful. So a bit of a summary of the yep. couple of the key points you've covered. Yeah, okay. Well, I think the first thing is in that early, in those stages of business cycle, get help early, get clarity on the business and, and mm-hmm. where it is. Ensure that the business is serving you, not you, you, know, you serving it and you enslaved yep. to it. Um, articulate and communicate your purpose and nail those systems, nail your systems early so you can free yourself up to concentrate more on the strategic and not getting dragged down to the day-to-day because you've got those systems known. Okay, fantastic. So your one big tip for mid-market business owners to be more successful? What do you say is the number one thing? Well, first one is to call me. Okay, yep. So what's the second thing? We'll come back to that in a minute. (laughs) Second tip is don't forget to look up. You know, like when you're stuck in the day-to-day and it's a real problem for mid-market people or any leaders for that matter, you're you're stuck in the day-to-day and you're not taking time to look up to the future, look up to where we're going, where do you want to go? Because the leader, that's one of your key roles is to set the path forward. That's what people are looking for you to actually do. And so just don't forget to look up to see what's coming and to be thinking about what's coming up ahead. Fantastic, Mark. How do people get in contact you if they need some help? Uh, we get on the website, the um, www.marknapper.com.au, um, and then they can go on and they can do a you know a, a bit of a free um, assessment for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they fill out some forms. Um, I'm on the LinkedIn, my LinkedIn profile, again, just Mark Napper. Um, and there's the um, the phone number there. The office number is 13008080952. Fantastic. Mark, thanks for joining us today. It's been really great. Pleasure, Greg. Good to talk to you. Thanks for listening to Mid Market Matters. I hope you found this episode helpful and informative for your business. To find out more, go to midmarketmatters.com.au. And to download other episodes, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening.